0: Six long months I spent in Dublin. Six long months doing absolutely sweet fake all. How are you getting on,
1: Christian? That's the crack. <laughs> How's it going, Josh? I am doing well. How are you?
0: I'm not so bad. Stepping out and stepping in again. Getting ready for this song. Getting
1: Into, <laughs> into the mood, you know yourself. Or uh, is 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 that the plan to just uh, do the lyrics through the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I'll just slightly,
0: uh drop some lyrics every now and then, you know.
1: Yeah actually now that we we now that you mention them like that is not a very far from the truth with myself and that erasmus thing i did well it wasn't tr- six months but but three three months doing absolutely sweet fecal <laughs> you did a lot in
0: fairness you ate burritos you played tunes i did and i did that is very true that's better than nothing at all. And your man in the song isn't doing isn't doing nothing either, to be honest with you. He's learning to dance.
1: Very true. We've talked I a lot
0: about dance in the past.
1: This lad actually carried it out. I don't think I've ever danced. <laughs> I know very well that you have danced. You've also told stories of, I don't know if this... Of if if this was told on the podcast or just in confidence but i i know that Uh-oh. you have been part of uh, a very drunk kaylee incident in Uh
0: oh we got in troubles that time because we didn't know how to dance and we tried anyway
1: yeah did you see what, what i did there by the way fecal fecal well, on that
0: on that note, Christian, I won't ask you to say anything else because we got a message during the week and I don't know if she's allowing us to put this up here, but I'm going to do it anyway. Hello, Kelly. How are you keeping? Can one of you explain to me why the fact there is a festival called Fecal Festival? You know, do you know here in America, that means shit, like literal shit. So another word for shit is feces and, uh, you know, fecal matter. Like, you know,
2: the remnants of a shit is fecal matter, pretty much. Look it up. And so anytime you guys are talking about fecal festival, I'm just
0: like, in my mind, I'm just hearing shit, shit, shit. (laughs)
1: Like, why is,
0: what is fecal? over there mean if not shit I really like please explain this to me do you want to take this one or should I (laughs) Uh,
1: well I I can try and you can you can help me uh, wherever I stumble if you want (laughs) (laughs) well you're closest to the place you're only like an hour away but but yeah fecal is a village in in Ireland and it does not mean shit it comes from uh, fecal or unequal as in a, a tooth if i'm not mistaken <laughs> pretty much yeah i don't know why the village is named after teeth but I, there, there was something i read up on this and it had something to do with uh, was it the geography or was it something about the parish uh, or there was one story about someone dropping like some some saint or something dropping a tooth in, in fecal. Let, let, me, let me do a quick research here. Uh, <laughs> I honestly have no idea. Sounds like you have more noc- local knowledge of Clare than I do, Christian. Let's see. Fecal historical background. Fecal or pastora. No, fecal. Apparently means the parish of the tooth. There was a legend <laughs> that the tooth of the patron saint, Mohona, Fell out at the spot on which he afterwards erected his church. Um, another theory is that Fiegel got its name from the roof of an early church which was covered with Fiegal, a rough grass which grew in the area, and the church became known as Temple Nafiegel. So you're rex- telling me that it's not known for all the cowshare around the fields? No. It's not known for shit. Let's see. A further explanation is that it is deri- derived from fia chóil, the wood of the deer. Yeah. Fia means deer in, in Irish. Uh, others suggest that there was a gap in the woods, which was in the shape of a tooth. So many potential explanations. You can go into clairelibrary.ie and go into faecal historical background if you want to read more <laughs> on, on that. Um Kelly, but I have I have a, a related thing. When Josh showed me this this uh, voice message, I immediately thought of an article that I had read recently, and it's it's a piece by Frank McNally in Irish Times uh, from uh, Friday, August 29th, two thousand and eight, actually, uh, called "An Irish Man's Diary," and the first couple of paragraphs here are what's uh, interesting. The fiddle player Martin Hayes tells a funny... Martin Hayes is a world-famous Irish fiddle player, maybe the most famous Irish fiddle player of of um, of our era, Josh. Would you agree? Probably,
0: yeah. I would say so. He has he, a band called The Gloaming, and he's played with the New York String Quartet and all of that good stuff. So he's definitely well-known around the world. He He was actually... On stage with Paul Simon many times,
1: right? Which is yeah, interesting. And he lived in America for for quite some time, so he he's played. Like he has a fantastic live album called "Live in Seattle" that you could you could check out if you if you want to listen to some some duo work with him and American uh, guitarist Dennis Cahill. Or you can go in and listen to the gloaming, like uh, Josh said. It's it's more artsy Irish traditional music. With like... uh, Hipster trad. Hipster trad, proper hipster trad. But yeah, uh, so um, McNally writes, the fiddle player Martin Hayes tells a funny story about how he first learned uh, the importance of a strong, clear accent. He was born near (laughs) the village of Fecal, pronounced locally at least by the older people as Fecal. But like many of his generation, he went through a rebellious phase in which he insisted on saying the name properly, air quotes. Then he started touring overseas and discovered that, especially in the US, audiences were amused to learn that he apparently came from a place called Fecal Fecal, as in shit. Thus did he finally learn to appreciate the phonetic wisdom of his ancestors. So fecal from now on, Josh. Fecal. Are, are you from fecal, you? Fecal festival. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I come from
0: shit. No, I don't. <laughs> I come from tooth, actually.
1: <laughs> or or the or the deer woods or
0: the deer woods would make more sense.
1: Yeah, no, many many good explanations there. That's. Like, that is one of the, I will not say good things, but interesting uh, results of the anglication of every single place name yeah. in, in Ireland.
0: In Ireland, yeah. That's why so many places start with Bally folks. If any of you don't speak
1: Irish out there, balia is the Irish word for town. And Kil, Josh, means church. Yep. As in Kilkenny and Killarney and... Mm -hmm. And then you have Lys and Wrath and Dune, and they are all
0: to do with ancient ring forts. Exactly. Very, very interesting. And then you have Lys Dune Varna, which is Fort, (laughs) Fort, Gap. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Good times. Thanks for that question, Kelly. And thanks, as always, for your support and all your messages. We're delighted to get them. There was other
1: messages sent, but we won't play them in public. <laughs> oh, while well, we're on names, just one side note. Um the Aran Islands, Josh. Mm-hmm. Inishmore doesn't mm-hmm. that just mean the big island. Yep. 100%. And then Inish Inishmore,
0: Inish ear, smallest island.
1: Yeah, and man, the middle island. <laughs> Fantastic. That's that's also a place to to visit. I I just thought of it now cuz you were camping there recently, Josh. I was. Uh, I was over
0: there last week and I came across some great musicians and we had a couple of tunes outside the pub. Fantastic. And yeah. A bit of
1: crack. That's definitely a place Lovely to listen. If you ever get to travel outside of your own country again, then mm-hmm. go to go to one of the Aran Islands. Or if I'm you're in
0: Ireland, it's like travelling to another country. You get on a boat, you spend twenty minutes on it, you go out in the sunshine, it has a beach, it has a shop, all the local amenities are there. It's great you yeah. can walk up hills you can walk down hills <laughs> actually interestingly if any of you are fans of the TV show Father Ted the opening credits are filmed on in a with the big shipwreck and the lighthouse and all that but yeah. a lot of Father Ted enthusiasts go over there every year for the Ted Fest they have a big Father <laughs> Ted Festival definitely <laughs> Ted worth Fest. a visit <laughs> yeah it's getting more popular in recent years people go over and there's like hundreds of people dressed up as the characters and they have like the lovely girls competition
1: and <laughs> proper, like, it's proper fun. Father Ted cosplay <laughs> Basically, con convention in in the middle of the Atlantic. I love <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> exactly. You can't beat it.
1: Oh. Well, anyway, people, you are very welcome to Tour Allura. We I don't think we've mentioned all of our important... Housekeeping items like, for example, you can email us at podcast at gmail.com. You um, certainly can. All of those letters, to the, the O's and the O's. And, and
0: the o's and the A's and the T's yeah. and the L's
1: yep yeah, that's it and then there's Instagram where you can find us at um, our handle is at uh, Turalura Podcast and on Facebook you can just search turalura or you can type in facebook.com slash Podcast and you'll come straight at us and we are at most podcast platforms at least every platform that I've checked so Google, Amazon Apple, Spotify, and you can. Uh, she says we must be good. So are we? Yeah, I, I, I think we're decent, decent <laughs> people from Fakel. Decent lads. So stuff. So that's it. Um, lately, we've uh, obviously we're, we're always after our reviews and that that sort of, sort of stuff. But uh, lately, we've been um, nagging about those uh, voice messages that we really want you to send in. So. Go on, please. Find that record. They're app. feeling
0: shy. They need to have a few glasses of the Wee Johnny jump up before they send us a message, you know? Yeah. Horse it into you and then horse a message onto us. And you never know. <laughs> we might play it. We might not. We might not be allowed, depending on what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. But we will acknowledge <laughs> every message, folks. We promise. Yeah. And in that vein, we are hoping to start appealing to the masses and helping out our fans here and answering some of your requests which is what we're doing today hallelujah
1: it's about (laughs) time glory be (laughs) <laughs> oh, <laughs> while while we're on on that topic, let's let's just also mention that uh, the fact of the matter is that we have, like we've said many a times. But if you haven't be- uh, believed us until now, we have actually taken notice of your guest suggestions and your song suggestions, and we can confirm that in the, in the next uh, few weeks we will have uh, guest episodes up, and we have a confirmed. Uh, date with one of your suggested uh, guests. So uh, stay tuned for that. But yeah, we're today. Ooh we'll la go, la. I'm excited. Ooh la la! Who but, could it be? Uh, who could it be? I'm I'm not telling. Are you? <laughs> we'll say nothing. to Say no more. But we are doing one of your suggested songs today, and the song is none other than. No. Are we singing it? No, we're not. No. Well, it's in
0: the title, so they'll probably cop on.
1: But this has been requested by
0: a couple of people, folks. We've actually been inundated with requests over the last couple of months to cover this particular song. I've heard requests through Lives with the Finns. I've heard requests through Messages Private and to the tour Laura Page to cover this song from Paul O'Brien, from Sarah Eickhoff, from Sarah Louise Lockyer, from who else is there, from Katie Louise. We have... Maria Sutterstrom over in Sweden, they're all asking for this song, so it, it must be a hit, Christian. Must be. <laughs> so, we finally had the time to sit down and do a bit of research, so I think we're going to take a look at the madness
1: of this one, what you reckon? I reckon it's time you ask me to set the scene. Okay. Set the scene.
2: get around class. So I hope you've all been practicing what we went over in last night's lesson and we'll pick it up today where we left it yesterday. The most important part about doing the tipperary tipple swing is the confidence and the consistency. Once the music starts, you need to fixate on an imaginary circle on the floor. What you're going to do is to confidently step into that circle. And then once you are in the circle, you're going to step back out again. Jump as fast as you can into the circle. And the moment, the very moment your feet hits the floor, step out again. So step in again and step out again, step in and step out again. Okay, everybody take your places and cute music One, two Step in again and step out again, step in and step out again, step in, step out again, step in, step out again, step in again, and step out again, step in and step out again, step out. I stepped
0: out and you stepped stepped in again, again. I stepped out and you stepped in. in again. How many times did they step out and step in, Christian? In six months? A lot of times, by, by the sounds of it. Jesus, they spent a long time stepping in and stepping out. I hope they stepped out more places than just to Lanigan's Ball, because in six months I'd be getting fairly bored if I was just walking back and forward across the room.
1: <laughs> yeah, how long does it really take to learn a dance? I mean... <sighs> Especially if for one single party, hey. but then again, like I, I, can sort of relate. I'm a sucker for planning big parties for, for like six months, and and then throwing a proper bash with all the. Was it
0: successful though?
1: Lannigan's ball. Yeah. Jesus, I don't know. Was it like I? I don't. I don't really know. <laughs> like yeah, if a woman gets kicked. Between her hoops and <laughs> what's like kicked what what is this? Like it's but soon I replied to this kind introduction and kicked up a terrible hula-balloo. hullabaloo. 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 Kick yeah, up a like there's another one.
0: Like you said, the poor girl gets kicked <laughs> through her hoops. The boys were as merry, the girls all hearty, dancing around in couples and groups till an accident happened. Young Terence McCarty, he put his right leg through Miss Finnerty's hoops. <laughs> the, crea- the creature, she fainted and cried, Melia Murder, and called for her brothers and gathered them all. Carmody swore that he'd go no further till he had satisfaction at Lanigan's ball. Now, what in the name of Jesus is going on there? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. That's oh open to interpretation. God. like Yeah, yeah. Old Casey the Piper was near being strangled. They squeezed up his pipes, be- bellows, chanters and all. The girls in the ribbons, they all got entangled. And that <laughs> put an end to Lannigan's ball. So if that is, like that could be interpreted as a great end or a terrible end to the party. Dep- depending on who you are and how much you've drank. Yeah, and 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 what it means, like, girls, gr- don't you hate when you get tangled up in your ribbons? <laughs> I hate and, when that happens. Yeah, and and is and is his pipes his bellows and his chanter? Is it is it the instrument or are we are we talking riddles here? If you know what I mean, like <laughs> euphemisms, euphemisms.
0: Yeah, well, I'd like to think that it's the pipes because. It's literally your one's cousins and all her family that came to bait the shit out of him that came along. And I got a kick from Big Phelan McHugh and kicked up a terrible hullabaloo. And then the piper was nearly strangled. So I presume that it's all part of the fight and it's not something a bit more kinky, if you know what I mean. Unless the fight is kinky, which it very well could it be.
1: Could be, could be. Maybe like, it's just a big orgy. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> what did they step in and out of? Maybe their clothes. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Like but maybe yeah, way.
0: maybe they're just being metaphorical there. They're talking about their actual <laughs> movements as opposed to I stepped in and he stepped out again.
1: Oh yeah. my god, this is this is going off the rails <laughs> from from <laughs> from <laughs> the get-go. <laughs> from <laughs> the get-go. Josh, give us a few <laughs> facts about the song. So the
0: song is in fact as requested by Paul O'Brien and the Sarah's and the Katys and all of those great people. The song is Lanigan's Ball. And Lanigan's Ball is a song that was very popular and still is very popular, to be honest with you, but it came around in the 1860s. And as it says online, it's possibly much older than that. Typically performed in a minor key, it's played in the upbeat style reminiscent of the party atmosphere in which the p- the song unfolds. Ah, shit. The party atmosphere in which the story is unfolding, which makes sense when you think about it. The song is attributed to a man the name of D.K. Gavin. Now there are other people mentioned such as Tony Pastor and Charles William Glover who are also mistakenly credited but there is no 100% knowledge as to who actually wrote this but the general consensus is that Mr. D.K. Gavin wrote it with music by a man called John Candy. Now I tried to find John Candy online but he is very much lost amongst all the internet pages about the actor from Canada. (laughs) <laughs> so we won't talk about that. DK Gavin, interestingly enough, was the man who also wrote Rocky Road to Dublin. And I'm sure you can hear it when you listen to this song, because they are very similar in style. What you reckon, Christian?
1: Yeah, when when you mentioned it, uh, definitely. But... <laughs> <laughs> Then again, he, he didn't actually write the music, but there's something yeah. about the the whole like the trying to fit st- as many words as possible <laughs> into his All s- these f- jig, f-
0: time, <laughs> jig time jig uh, time yeah. lyrics, like he's good at that by the sounds of it. But I've been doing a lot of research here on Folk Songs and MusicHall.com who explore a lot of songs in similar ways to the way we do, but they kind of do more of the hard work and the research so we can Breathe lift through. it from them in future times. But uh he was trying to find DK Gavin, the Galway poet. He's very famously known as the Galway poet, but there's a lot of mystery surrounding him because there doesn't seem to be anything online about him other than the fact that the famous dance hall singer Harry Clifton hired him, commissioned him to write three songs. And the three songs were Lanigan's Ball, The Rocky Road to Dublin, and what was the last one again, Christian? Um Darby uh, Maguire. Darby Maguire. That's it. So, yeah, so D.K. Well, Gavin, a lot of people think that maybe because there's no other information about him whatsoever, there's a very good chance that D.K. Gavin could be a pseudonym and it could, in fact, be Harry Clifton himself giving himself an Irish name to come across more Irish while singing Irish songs to appeal to the Irish masses while touring in the late 1800s.
1: Where where was he from himself?
0: Harry Clifton the singer or D.K. Gavin?
1: Well, the
0: the person that we know is real. Uh, Henry Robert Clifton was his name, but he's known as Harry Clifton on stage. And he was an English music hall singer, songwriter and entertainer, a prolific yeah. composer in the popular genre. His most successful song was Pretty Polly Perkins of Paddington Green. <laughs> Never heard of it.
1: Me either. <laughs> uh, very, very interesting in which case. If, if it was him, like I'm not one... I'm not big on conspiracy theories, but it doesn't sound entirely un-probable. Yeah, and he, he, was very,
0: he was very well known for touring Ireland and playing Irish songs and singing Irish songs. Like it says here that his repertoire included comic Irish songs and motto songs with an improving moral message, such as Paddle Your Own Canoe, which is a hit now from The Wolf Tones. So, yeah, there's a lot of little hints and messages in here that would suggest that maybe it was him but he was known for writing most of his own music apart from these three songs who seem
1: to be accredited to DK Gavin so you would never know very very interesting well let's live with the um, live with the hope that that this um, this uh, this character actually existed and has just faded into into memory without even a first name like it's it's a pretty good track record if if you wrote Lannigan's Ball and Rocky Road to Dublin. I, I have to admit, I'm not very yeah. familiar with Darby Maguire, and I don't uh, think you are either. I can't say I've heard of it, but I'm going to search for it.
0: You'll we'll find it. It'll, it'll be in a podcast in two to three years, folks. Yeah, who when knows? When we run out of material.
1: Yeah, <laughs> But two out of three uh, songs written, like proper <laughs> hits, that's that's not yeah. bad.
0: Yeah, and whether it was D.K. Gavin or Harry Clifton himself, it's impressive, I have to say. Yeah. Um, as you know, these songs have featured in a hell of a lot of musicians' repertoires over the years. And the likes of Sam Collins would have signed this song as well, who was another famous singer in the 1800s. So Harry Clifton and Sam Collins and D.K. Gavin, they were all part of one big circle that were all performing these type of songs in dance halls around Ireland and England and became very popular for doing so
1: yeah yeah absolutely and and obviously like in modern times you would have versions by christy moore and and then later by by more celtic punk ish Or folk, rocky type bands like Gaelic Storm, Fiddler Screen, that sort of stuff. And it lends itself really well to that. But i just like to imagine that time that you're talking about when when the song actually was written. And just to uh, make a point that... We're talking about a time where you wouldn't have like five musicians on a stage side by side playing bower on guitar, bazooki, accordion, and baiting out tunes and then playing a few songs. Like this, this was a completely different era in yep. in Irish music. The time, well, not of the only Irish music, but, but yeah, the time of the dance halls. Like, what what would the lineup be on stage, like, generally in in these sort of scenarios? Would you have piano? Would you have...
0: Yeah, it's similar to what I mentioned in the past. Like, all of these songs would be going around the world with, number one, minstrel bands, and number two, vaudeville acts. So if you can imagine vaudeville acts where you have maybe probably barbershop quartets and very much piano... And I would say rarely other instruments. It would very much be singers on stage acting out and acting all fancy and whatnot and then the piano player playing vaudeville style accompaniment, you know? Yeah. Think yeah. of the think of the likes of the entertainer, doo, do do do, all that kind of stuff. So it was very much the popular music of the time was based around kind of humorous and satirical music. And just to point out here, while I'm looking at it, there is a version of this um in sheet music that was published in 1863 by William A. Pound and they actually credit the writing of this song to Neil Bryant and Tony Pastor and Charles Glover. Now, I feel like it's not true because there's a lot of ambiguity around it and it seems that D.K. Gavin's writing credits come earlier than that. But this publication, the popular Irish song sung with enthusiastic applause by Dan Bryant of Bryant's Minstrels, I love that because it's a book, it's sheet music, but the cover literally says, popular Irish song sung by Dan Bryant. <laughs> <laughs> so like people back then, I know I've said it a million times in other episodes, but people back then were buying books of sheet music as if they were albums. Yeah. And they were sitting in their living room playing and singing them in their in their parlor or whatever when they were entertaining guests. And that's the way the popular music of the time went. It was all performing books that you buy as opposed to
1: actually listening to the singer that's whose name is on the front of it which is funny yeah it's it's very very interesting and especially to think of how how the performance of of these songs have evolved and it's easy to imagine that songs like with when we talked about finnegan's wake a song that is famously performed by the likes of the dubliners that the way that they perform the song with with the traditional and air quotes again uh, traditional irish instruments is the way that that song uh was like it almost grew out of the ground like it was dug up in a in a peat bog somewhere on the yeah. west coast of ireland and it just and there they found barney mckenna playing the banjo and Lou <laughs> kelly singing the song but these are songs that were actually played like yeah in in a completely different style and when you play it as as folk music in the way that we imagine Irish traditional music and folk music today, that is m- more of a f- modern invention. That is something that came about in the like the fifties and sixties, and especially seventies. And
0: that's a really good point, and it's actually really interesting because even nowadays, like when we gig and when we do stuff, we translate modern pop songs and rock songs to trad instruments and folk instruments and we make what people call folk versions of these songs but that's exactly what we were doing with the songs that people consider
1: to be folk songs they were the pop songs of the 1800s yeah exactly (laughs) very very strange and interesting and that's a really good point if you look at the likes of temple bar and and pubs that have like especially pubs that have huge tourist crowds mm-hmm. uh but has a high uh, turn around uh and like is in a busy place where there's not really room to sit down and play like only ballads you you have you have all the fan favorites like Whiskey in yep. the Jar and and so on, but you also have Avicii and Johnny Cash and <laughs> Wagon Wheel and and a lot of like proper pop music like Kaigo and Avicii, like I mentioned. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to know that this has been done since the start, though, of kind of the
0: trad and folk revolution when all these trad instruments came to the forefront. That since the beginning, the translation of these songs to these instruments has actually been something that is a new concept it's not something like you said that grew out of the ground with the likes of Lanigan's Ball and similarly the song we talked about a few weeks ago uh, Finnegan's Wake, these songs were all the pop songs like I said of the 1800s in America and they would have been the well known songs with the minstrel bands and the dance hall acts and the vaudeville acts around the halls of America and they would in no way have included, well they might have but they would in no way have been Irish traditionally conceptualized if you know what I mean back then it would very much have been the likes of uh, the only thing I can compare it to is the music that you would hear in the likes of Family Guy today because Seth MacFarlane has a huge (laughs) love of vaudeville music and he has a masters in music and he composed all of his music based on vaudeville acts of the past yeah so if you want to hear what these songs should sound like you should listen to the likes of stewie griffin and the dog brian singing their songs and that's the kind of accompaniment that you would have had for these songs when they originally came out and became popular
1: (laughs) it's a it's a mad concept to think of but I I don't think I'm far wrong. No, I don't think you are. Uh, and obviously, this doesn't go for everything. Just to make that yeah. completely clear. Like you have you have uh, loads of traditional Irish songs that were sung with either with like I don't know like harps or just a yeah. cappella in. Absolutely. like Chanas things that have yeah. been translated into the modern tradition as well. But but a really big part of the pub music is exactly what you're talking about there the 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 enthusiastic like drinking yeah. songs that one hundred percent. And I'm not denying that there was some
0: amazing Irish traditional music and folk ballads and all of that in America at that time. Like you had the likes of um James Coleman over there in New York who was playing amazing fiddle music and he became like the teacher and saviour of a generation of fiddle players in America. And there still have the Coleman Centre in Sligo dedicated to him. And there were a lot of very well-known Irish traditional musicians in New York in the 1800s who were playing trad music, straight trad music that still exists today. But these Irish songs that were written from a humorous standpoint might not necessarily have been written by Irish people. We talked about all this before when we talked about Finnegan's Wake, but these dance hall songs were very much written for Americans at the time and they traveled over and it even says it there on the front sung with enthusiastic applause by Dan Bryant of Bryant's minstrels so it was very much like the earliest versions of this were coming from minstrel bands
1: exactly who no, brought the banjo to Ireland who brought the banjo and there we go straight <laughs> into the banjo lesson <laughs> uh, <laughs> no but it's super interesting the e- let me try a, a hard word: amalgamation of traditions, <laughs> but like the creation of the tradition we have today, and the tradition that we, uh, we l- look at as the quintessential Celtic, mm-hmm. is is an amalgamation <laughs> of a lot of different things that are, um, yeah a lot of different parts of Irish or Ireland related more or less folky traditions. Yep. Very, very interesting stuff. See, we can come up with really like proper information. We're not just talking about fecal <laughs> and fecal and yep. and uh, rags and hoops. Sometimes we know the crack. <laughs> but most of the time we're just about the crack. Uh, we're a bit of both <laughs> yeah that's it, the... ha- it
0: helps that we kind of half research things and then half riff on the research
1: yeah can just i play it as it comes can i just cite um a person that i'm uh, i had a conversation with earlier today uh, 15.56, I got a message from my good friend Joshua Lachlan saying, about to record a podcast on a song I've literally never heard.
0: No, don't tell them.
1: <laughs> well, we've heard it many times since. We have,
0: since 15.56, we certainly and you, have.
1: You don't know what day that was or what time yeah. it is right now. Exactly. It, it could exactly. be in the middle of the night and we've had six hours of listening to Lanigan's Ball.
0: On On straight repeat. Yeah, (laughs) for hours now in fairness when I actually pressed play after sending you that message Christian I actually very much recognised the whole bit about six long months I spent in Dublin I love that and it's a very popular line and the whole I stepped out and he stepped in again that fucking happens in about 27 million songs (laughs) because there's an awful lot of people in Ireland and further afield stepping out and stepping in again an awful lot and I don't know why are, are we talking like
1: specifically about <laughs> a set dance here? When when he steps in to, the, to the on the dance floor and she yes. steps out of the ring and and back <laughs> it's in not, again? It's not a
0: specific set dance, but many set dances yeah. include include that move, stepping in and stepping out. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, me 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 either. Like I I wouldn't have known it by title, but as soon as I I heard the song, I. Obviously, I've heard it a yeah. million times in different Irish pubs. And I wanted to, to just mention that as well. I know I briefly touched uh, on on Christy Moore and the fact that it's done by a lot of like Celtic punk, Celtic yeah. rock bands. But it is very much uh, a song that, that works really, really well in a pub setting, in a drinking song setting. It, it's so just like Rocky Road to Dublin actually like yeah. being on stage especially on a night with a good few people there the the vibe is good the buzz is good and you play a song like this like go like jig time um minor key but with a lot of drive and a lot of words so, um, you, like you get the people moving this fast so it it has a really Really, um, like its place, yeah, hundred percent. The bar, even though it it doesn't come from from that. Uh, the, there's a
0: running joke with the Rocky Road to Dublin when we play it that we tell everyone it's the hardest song in the world to sing because there's absolutely no point at which you can breathe. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but That's we true. make
0: do, and you can say the same about Lanigan's Ball. I think the real thing that you get from this Irish feel, and it's probably something that a lot. Of whether they were Irish-American or Irish in America or just plain American writing these songs with the knowledge of Ireland, they knew that they were going to get that Irish feeling and that kind of party mode out in the song by having it in 6-8 time or 9-8 time. This jig time and slip jig time is probably something that's not 100% unique but quite unique to Ireland and Irish music. That ba pa ba 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 pa ba 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 rashers and sausages, it's a very much... Irish feeling that you get whenever you hear that even if a song isn't Irish, you would get yeah. that kind of Irish touch within it because of that time signature and I don't know why but it's very much that kind of very much I'm riding on a horse, I'm dancing at a party, I'm fucking fighting lads on a road on the way to Limerick you know yourself there's some.
1: There's something about jig time Yeah, there is, there is
0: Yeah, what I love though, like a lot of this stuff as well, the tunes, the melodies would have come from tunes, you know, so you have Ireland, you have the Irish dancing that's popular in America at the time, you have the dance halls, people are dancing Cayleys in America, even in the 1800s, they're dancing set dances, a lot of the tunes are in jig time, a lot of the people writing these popular songs about Ireland are going to base it on the music they hear at the Irish dance halls, and in those Irish dance halls, what they keep hearing is ba 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 So they're either taking these tunes and adding to them or using them as inspiration for the songs. And interestingly enough, it says here about Lanigan's Ball that one of the publications of it in 1865 mentions that the tune was a tune from Ireland previously known as Hurry the Jug. So that might might very well have started life as a jig or a slip jig. Yeah. Which is true for an awful lot of Irish-themed songs that come from America. Because, like I said, the people writing them would have taken the melodies from Irish dance tunes that they heard at the dances. And it's actually similar to the Rocky Road to Dublin in that sense as well. Because the Rocky Road to Dublin, if I'm not mistaken, is also based on a tune. Yeah, here it is. One of the three songs which Harry Clifton popularised, having commissioned D.K. Gavin, the Galway poet, to write them. The tune is an old jig, Cam Ye or Frey France, or a.k.a. The Keys of the Cellar. So a lot of these tunes are actually based on Irish trad dance sets and dance tunes, which is another interesting thing to note, which is probably why the 6-8 became
1: so prevalent when it comes to Ireland. Uh, I know there are huge regional traditionally huge regional differences between styles of playing styles and styles of tunes across ireland but uh i seem to remember you having talked about like polkas and like yeah uh where like different specific like um time signatures or styles of of tunes Mm -hmm. are are more prevalent yeah you have the the Slieve Lucra region of Ireland
0: which is it borders on Limerick and Cork and Tipperary and Kerry kind of up in the mountains there is a very very famous area for polkas and slides now the polkas and slides are very different from other tunes because they have very hoppy and faster time signatures a polka would be in 2/4 time which would make you think that it would be one of the slowest tunes, but it is, in fact, actually one of the fastest. It goes one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. And that's quite hard to do when you're playing at the speed of schlieff musicians and dancers. But, um, yeah, and West Cork there, all of those areas would be very famous for polkas. Clare would be very famous for jigs. And East Clare would be very famous for minor key reels, which is interesting enough. Very interesting. Um, And the same up around Sligo there you get an awful lot of minor key reels and then the north well not the north necessarily but Donegal and the north of Ireland would be very Scottish in terms of its traditions and would have the likes of Scottishes and Stratsby's and all of that kind of stuff which is really interesting too but it all makes for a very very rich island of culture and tunes
1: visit Ireland (laughs) Oh my god. <laughs> but uh, again like I I think we've talked about this but um is is are those regional differences becoming less prevalent? It, it, are things like blending more? Yes and no. Some regions
0: are very proud of what comes from where they come from, you know? Like, I would say that the likes of of Lucra is still the most prevalent place to find polkas and slides and all of that. That's not to say musicians in other areas won't learn them and play them and be good at them. But in a session, people down there will love them and be more prone to playing them regularly as opposed to anywhere else. If I was in a session in Dublin with two musicians from West Cork, they would probably bait into a load of polkas and... You would find that a lot of us might not know those polkas because we didn't grow up playing and learning them. It's very much about where you grow up and who teaches you and all that kind of thing as well, you know. Yeah. It is very much still, regardless of modern recordings and online lessons and all of that kind of stuff,
1: it is very much still an oral tradition. Yeah, yeah. Makes complete sense. Especially if you've if you've been to the the fecal f- sorry fecal <laughs> festival fecal. <laughs> and and seen the likes of like I had never been to Ireland before I came to Clare. Uh, so I was surprised later when I came to Ireland by how few concertinas I <laughs> I would see around Dublin, yeah. for example. In, in sessions there
0: yeah it saddens me <laughs>
1: But because <but> that <laughs> being that's...
0: said there's some amazing concertina players all around Ireland it's just not as prevalent like my younger brother plays the concertina and he's competed in the Clare Fla several times and there's uh, what what would you say there's a saying goes around that it's harder to win the county Clare Fla on concertina than it is to win the All-Ireland Because the standard and amount, sheer amount of concertinas and concertina players in Clare just dwarfs that of anywhere else in the country. Like my brother competed and I think it was the only competition I've ever seen where they had to split the competition into like three or four different groups and break it down like via quarterfinal, semifinal, final.
1: That's interesting. (laughs) Whereas
0: usually you might have 10, 20 musicians that will all play just in the one round and then they'll be graded and there'll be a first, second, third place. There was so many concertinas that they had to have three different competitions before they had the main one. That's <laughs> Just really, really interesting. Out. Yeah, because yeah. my
1: point being that there, there are obviously different instrument choices as well around the country, but by the way, for anyone not knowing what a concertina is, it's like a the pirate accordion, like a hexagon <laughs> hexagon accordion with what is called single action, I believe. So you have uh, a different note uh, whether you pull or push on the bellows on on the same button. So you have buttons on both sides, uh, each playing. Um, there's no bass on a concertina right you you're you're playing you're playing in the, both sides play melody if i'm not mistaken
0: yes but you will get your
1: bass notes like there is it goes to the lower octave so you can harmonize with yourself obviously yeah yeah but yeah uh, instrument choices around the country are there are other places that are especially known for for having um w- w- where an instrument has like a bigger Prevalence or something. Um Donegal and East Clare would be very famous for
0: fiddle traditions. Um there would be a massive piping tradition. Now, when I say piping, I mean bagpiping in the north of Ireland. As I'm sure you're aware, Christian. Oh yeah, yeah. As in the um, like Highland piping. Yeah. Yeah. And then in the likes of of Lucra, like I mentioned before, where the Polkas and all of that are w- well, well respected and well known. You have accordion players.
1: Yeah, because because that's the thing as well. Like I feel like polkas lend themselves really well to button box to mm-hmm. to button accordions. Yeah, uh, and this this would again. For, for people, this would be the, the small type accordions, two row accordions, usually two or three row accordions. And mm-hmm. another interesting thing there, like why are piano accordions so much more uh, used in, in like Scotland than they are in, in Ireland? Yeah.
0: And interestingly, piano accordions would be more commonly seen in the north of Ireland than in the southern counties. Like I don't know too many piano accordion players from the Republic, but I know
1: several from the north. There's there's always Alan Kelly. I don't know where he's from, <laughs> yeah. but, but he's he's, uh,
0: he's Russ Common. So he's he's in the southern counties, and he's a great player. And Joe Maloney as well is a fantastic piano accordion player, but they wouldn't be. There wouldn't be as many piano accordions down here as there would be in the north. And that's probably lending itself to the Scottish tradition because the north of Ireland has always culturally been, interestingly enough, closer to Scotland, in my opinion, than it is to us. Yeah, Gold but Spir- it's, physi- it's, yeah. it's physically closer to Scotland than it is to County Clare anyway. <laughs> yeah, you know. So it's just interesting. Did you see actually, sorry to go off topic, but did you see how... We're already off topic, so... (laughs) (laughs) Did you see how Boris Johnson and the UK government are in the early stages of planning a bridge from the north to Scotland?
1: No way. No, I did not. It's going to
0: be one of the biggest bridge building projects ever uh, undertaken. And they're in the early stages of trying to figure out if it would be viable or if it would work at the moment but they're talking about actually building a bridge between somewhere in antrim
1: and scotland that is absolutely insane
0: <laughs> insane in a good way or a bad way i, d- I don't know
1: i need to i need to think about this <laughs> i'm glad i'm not making the choice but i
0: think it's i think it's the uk's way to try and salvage relations at the moment you know with all that's going on with Brexit and all of that stuff
1: yeah like it, w- it would probably be really good for all the pipe bands going over to Scotland every <laughs> summer but uh, yeah
0: I can I can imagine there being ups and downs about it like it, it'd be nice to be able to hop in a car and drive to Glasgow like but for other reasons it might not be a good idea but sure it awaits to be seen I'm sure even if the, even if they do do it it'll be towards the end of our lives if we actually
1: see it happen yeah, yeah, Boris will be long gone by that time. So,
0: <laughs> apparently, it will be a, a feat 10 times bigger and harder than the Golden Gate Bridge. Like, Jesus so, Christ, it'll be interesting. Like, you can see from one side of the Golden Gate Bridge to the other. I'm pretty sure you wouldn't be able to do that if you were going from the Giants Causeway to
1: Stranraer.
0: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh.
1: Jesus, who knows? Th- that is, uh, it's news to me and it's completely insane, but I'll follow it closely. <laughs> Back to the song.
0: Back to the song. Well, I just wanted to talk about you talking about the euphemisms for a second. There's a couple of different versions and it says on the infamous Wikipedia page that in one version, young Terence McCarthy put his right leg through Miss Finnerty's hoops and that started the fight. The narrator says that he got a lick from Big Phelan McHugh. This fight, described in the song as ructions, put an end to Lanigan's ball. Now, a lick would be a punch, I presume. Like, if I got a lick from me mother in Dublin, she was probably giving me a slap. <laughs> but you're talking about euphemisms here, so they could have been
1: all licking each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Like, it's it's a strange thought. But yeah. it's, it's funny how well it lends itself to to that way of looking at it. There's a lot of Irish songs like that. (laughs) Myself, to be sure, got a free invitation for all the nice boys and girls I did ask. (laughs) In less than 10 minutes, the friends and relations were dancing as merry as bee round a cask. There was lashing of punch and wine for the ladies, potatoes and cakes. There was bacon and tea. These were... O'Shaughnessy's, Murphy's, Walsh's, O'Grady's, courting the girls and dancing away. (laughs) Courting the girls. Courten. By the way, there's a mention of polkas there, since we were talking about polkas. They were doing all kinds of nonsensical polkas
0: (laughs) all around the room. Why are polkas
1: nonsensical? Is what I want to know. I don't know. Around the room in a whirly
0: gig. In a whirly gig. Julia and I soon banished their nonsense and tipped them a twist of a real Irish jig, like the lyrics sound to me like they're written by an American.
1: Yeah, they they don't sound very Irish in a <laughs> real Irish jig. That's. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, like if it is based on that tune
0: that I mentioned, "Hurry the Jug," that was probably a tune that was played in the dance halls. And your man, uh, D.K. Gavin, if that is his real name. Heard yeah. those tunes in the dance halls and wrote the words around it and based it on things that were as Irish as he could think of.
1: Yeah, a, re- a real Irish jig. And and then the, the Murphys and Walshes and O'Grady's. <laughs> and, uh, Six
0: long months spent in Dublin doing nothing at all and I just came across something there. He actually spent that time in Brook's Dance Academy in Dublin. Learning to dance in preparation for the ball, <laughs> so he wasn't doing nothing at all. Really, he was in a fecking dance academy. If I you
1: were, if you were doing nothing but dancing for six months, and then you go t- t- like in preparation for this ball, and then you go down there, and it's a complete utter chaos of drunkard nest. like I would feel like that that was (laughs) not six months but well spent yeah probably a waste of six months (laughs) of my life
0: oh no like imagine spending six months going oh jeez I have to get ready for this ball and I have to do it right and I'm so worried about how it's gonna go and like I have the best of teachers and I'm studying every day I'm doing nothing but dancing and then you land in there and poor old, what's her name, is after getting kicked in the hoops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the other two boys Miss, are strangling Miss the piper. Miss Finnerty. <laughs> right leg through Miss yeah.
1: Finnerty's
0: hoops. And, and you're standing there in the middle of the hall all dolled out in your best dancing gear and you're just so nervous about the dance and you're going oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> or, you, or you proceed to do the dance and absolutely no one watches you or gives a fuck about what you're doing. <laughs> and you finish you finish with a mic drop and go nailed it while everyone else <laughs> is beating the shit out of each other
1: oh my god <laughs> while Miss Kerrigan is fainting and her cheek her cheeks at the same time as red as rose some of the boys <laughs> decreed she was painted she took a weed drop too much I suppose <laughs> <laughs> where are you finding these lyrics you obviously have a different set of lyrics to me irishsongs.com by bye <laughs> I love it. Oh, her sweetheart, Ned Morgan, all powerful and able. When he (laughs) saw his fair Colleen stretched out by the wall, he tore the left leg from under the table and smashed all the dishes at Lanigan's ball. Oh, I love it. Folks, if
0: you're wondering what an able man means, look back into our back catalogue. We have a song called 17 on Sunday that we explored and we learn all about what it means to be able. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs>
1: you're good and able are you
0: <laughs> are you, are you able, able darling are you able uh, versions recordings and versions Christian the most famous one that I came across was by a band called the Bards in the 80s did
1: oh, you come really? across that um, no I don't think I did uh, I was listening through a few ones but okay what, what sort of style is that is, is um, that it's very much kind of like Christy
0: Moore slash Dublin. It was like, it sounded like if Christy Moore was the frontman of the Dubliners. That's <laughs> what it sounded like to me. But um, I'm actually not sure who's in that band because I've never really come across the Bards. But apparently they were quite the band in the 80s and well known. And they had a huge hit in the 80s with Lanigan's Ball. Christy Moore himself also recorded it in 1983. It's on his album, The Time Has Come. You have well, it,
1: m- it must have been recorded by him before that as well, because it's on his The Early Years uh, 69 to 81 album. Okay, yeah, yeah. Chris- Christy has a lot of um,
0: early stuff as well that would have not been released originally. His Early Years stuff is actually quite good, and his Black Album has a lot of outtake recordings from the oh. time that he started his career until now, and that's freaking amazing as well. Yeah, that version the- of Danny Boy. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, Danny. <laughs> It's really good. Isn't Are it? you able? <laughs> um, other versions here. You have Dropkick Murphys. It's on their sixth album, yeah. "The Meanest of Times." You have you have the Celtic fusion band Enter the Haggis. Oh, really? Interesting. <laughs> you have the German
1: band Fiddlers Green. Yeah. Um, there's loads of them. Look at up, folks! And Gaelic Storm. Gaelic Storm being very yeah. like on the rocky scale. You have you probably have Dropkick Murphys, which is borderline. That's that's like hardcore Celtic punk and then you have yeah. Fiddler's Green, which is quite rocky, and Gaelic Storm is, is mm-hmm. acoustic but but rocky at the same time. Like it's And then the infamous Johnny Logan, who won several yeah.
0: Eurovisions in the nineties for Ireland, also recorded the song on his twenty thirteen album, The Irish Connection Two. Now I wouldn't have considered Johnny Logan to be someone who'd be making albums about the Irish Connection, but we make albums about whatever people listen to and Johnny is a very, very good businessman. I'll give him that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now Johnny actually did great for Ireland in the nineties. He was a good singer and he won several Eurovisions, like I said. And what was his song? Hold me now. <laughs> he was uh, very well known, and I think he's been involved in writing some Eurovision hits over the last few years as well.
1: Yeah, um, he was. He was actually interviewed, if I'm not mistaken, in, in this year's Eurovision. About oh, really? all of his uh, wins and stuff. So yeah, yeah no. Uh, I see. Can I just mention a couple of other versions there? I see yeah. that um, a band called Potchín uh, has a version of it. I believe they're they're from. Oh, I need to Google it now, but they're from mainland Europe. Um, could it be the Czech Republic? Because uh, they are very. Um, heavily or was at least very heavily rotated on the Irish and Celtic music podcast run by uh, an American named Mark Gunn. He's, he's in, in the community over there. Uh, Some and nice he, little name dropping there Christian. Yeah no he <laughs> has a, a podcast that I, I, I uh, think it's still going where he literally uh, has like a two hour uh, podcast out every single week with with all irish and celtic like unsigned irish uh, celtic type artists um, and Potchin was uh was always very heavily rotated yeah czech republic sure. i was right and then there is a version by a band called uh called as much as uh Kiliburn bray which also is a song I believe but they are Norwegian actually really I have uh, they sound very Scottish but yeah they're from um, they're from Norway. they uh, have performed on the Dubliner probably a few times but I believed that I talked to some members of the band once yes. when they played and they were uh, on NRK uh, on some sort of local band competition or showcase many many years ago so a fair few different countries represented in this Spotify list that nice. you get if you search for Lanigan's Ball <laughs> plenty of versions to be getting acquainted with there folks if you want oh, to oh by the out. way <laughs> here's Mark Gunn with a version as well the man that I talked about that runs that podcast where potching. Oh, oh really was, yeah he, he has a version, version as well too. yeah nice. <laughs> so 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 many versions by the way Lanigan. Josh, yeah, um, Lanigan's balls. <laughs> Lanigan's I mean Lanigan's ball. <laughs> what? What does the name Lanigan mean?
0: Lanigan. Um, good question.
1: <laughs> Lanigan name. It's an Irish surname, obviously Ang- anglicized from the old Gaelic O. Oh, Lanigan. This Lanigon. is Lanigan, the Gaelic Lanigan. prefix. Blah blah blah. This is from. That sounds like someone without children to me,
0: like Gon Lani, like without kids.
1: Oh, yeah. But maybe (laughs) I'm wrong. (laughs) But
0: That's literally just
1: an assumption based on the Irish language. Well, let's see. uh, Believed to be derived from e i Like I-O-N-I-G-H. A verb meaning supply or provide, hence descendants of the supplier.
0: Lannigan, <laughs> L- Lannigan, Lunig.
1: Yeah, there was also a high king in Ireland
0: who was Lunnig, who which would be nowadays known as Lunny, L-U-N-N-Y. Oh, yeah. But the names change as they travel and they're spelled so many different ways because back then people were illiterate. That there's so many different versions of the same name. Lanigan and Lunny would actually be of the same family.
1: Yeah, now this this is a really interesting point as well. Like uh, how the, if you look for the one correct spelling, if if you're if you're Irish diaspora or yeah. uh, or Scottish diaspora in in America or Canada or Australia or or whatever and you're looking for the one correct spelling of uh, of your name in in Irish or Scottish Gaelic or or the language that it comes from that is probably not possible to find. Yeah. That's the thing like for so many
0: different reasons for the age of the name, for the distance it's traveled, for the illiteracy of the people that would have first carried the name and when they traveled and split up The people that heard it, that wrote it down, would have heard it different ways and spelled it different ways. It's virtually impossible with a lot of those names to actually find the original. I can say that the likes of my name is probably one of the oldest. The oldest that's been written down anyway, because... Like my name, uh, my my name, O'Loughlin, is derived at least from the Viking times, you know.
1: And even you have had proper trouble getting across to your teachers that your name is O'Loughlin and not MacLoughlin.
0: Yeah, I actually did over the years have issues with that.
1: I I was doing a little bit more Googling here on O'Lanigan and found a different uh, explanation here. Diminutive of Lone, a blackbird, Mm compare with Lonan.
0: The, the actual name that we would call a blackbird is Lunduv. Okay. Lunduv would be a blackbird. So Lunduv. Lund is probably like a derivative of that. Like Lund is probably the bird itself.
2: <laughs> I don't in know ch-
0: if there is a Lundgurum or a Bui. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, who knows?
0: But Jesus yeah, they all would have derived from Lunny. Just like so many different names. Like Lion would have derived from Lachlan, in my opinion. Or Lion was also the king of Leinster and all of that. So you have a lot of these names that are very similar and yet very different that are all related to each other. We could all be cousins if you go back far enough, folks.
1: Yeah, no, it's But, it's we, but we ignore that fact <laughs> for peace of mind. Unless we're at, yeah, well, especially at Lanigan's Ball <laughs> where, where you're jumping in and out in a fierce tempo.
0: Stepping out and stepping in for Lanigan's Balls. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Lanigan's Ball. Sorry, I did it again. You did it again. Did it so, again. That is a special episode, folks. All especially for the likes of Paul O'Brien and the Sarahs and the Marias and all of those good people who are out there. Katie as well that requested Lanigan's Ball. And we've done our best, folks. We've gone through it as best as we can for a song that we listened for to for the first time at 1556. Yeah,
1: touched on a million things that has absolutely nothing to do with <laughs> Lannigan's Ball. But I, I'm starting to think that, that is part of the reason you're listening to us. You're getting a bit <laughs> of information, but you're getting a fair bit of rambling as well. And today you got rambling about instruments and local styles of music and Jesus' names. <laughs> and Fakal. <laughs> Folks, Fakal. if you ever get the chance to go to the
0: Fakel Festival, don't turn it down. You'll Don't turn it. it down. Don't It's be not of festival of, all the of shit. shit. I promise <laughs> it's not a festival of shit. It's a festival of music and tunes and fun and crack and all of that good stuff.
1: It's actually the opposite of a festival of shit. Absolutely. <laughs> and on that
0: bombshell, Christian, are we coming to the end?
1: I think we are. <laughs> Should we mention the socials again? Oh, I guess we have to. Okay, <laughs> go on, run us through. We've got the FB
0: Facebook Toralora, search us in the search engine. We've got the d- Instagram at Toralora Podcast. We've got email. Email us at Toralora Podcast at gmail.com with the T's and the R's and the O's and the A's
1: and podcast. And what else do we have? Do we have Don't anything else? We have several different podcast platforms where you can subscribe and on a few of them you can leave us a review and on that email address we will of course accept written emails to be read out on the show to be kept anonymous to not be read out whatever you want suggestions for guests songs ideas thoughts anything what reviews reviews yeah i did mention reviews oh did you Sorry. I did. I did, yeah. Uh, and of course, voicemails. Please send us in a, a recording of yourself talking shite <laughs> like Kelly has done <laughs> like several do. times already.
0: She absolutely has. And we appreciate all of those shite talking messages, Kelly. And don't worry, we won't disclose everything you say in the podcast. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but please, if. She was having
0: a great time there in the messages she sent the other day. (laughs) They (laughs) might have been recorded on the 4th of July. I have a feeling they were, actually. (laughs) I wouldn't blame her. Aside from all of that, folks, we are coming towards the end. And don't forget to send us any requests for guests, for songs, for episodes, for topics. We're covering them, we're getting through them slowly but surely. We have two guests lined up in the near future and and several song requests to get through and this was the first of many folks so we will see you soon with another
1: (laughs) torolura (laughs) torolura
0: Is just loading As is my body And mind
1: I'm wearing no pants <laughs> Really?